book of Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter number 28, Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to look once again at the end of the chapter, which is the end of this book of the Bible, and that passage known as the Great Commission. And uh, as you know, I uh, preached on this this past Sunday. I had decided to do so as I've trying to continue to prepare us, to help us accomplish uh, that which I think the Lord wants us to do this year, and that's uh, to double our attendance on Sunday morning, and along with some other things. In order to do that, uh, we've got to keep the emphasis on the things that God emphasizes. And uh, so I decided last Sunday uh, to preach two messages on the Great Commission. And as I told you last week, that has turned into a series on the Great Commission, and I don't think that's going to hurt us. Uh, I think, if anything, it is certainly going to help us, and we're going to look this morning again at Matthew chapter number 28 in verse number 18 through 20. And let me just say, you cannot improve on God's plan. You can't improve on this book. You can't improve on God's institution. Uh, you cannot improve on God's plan. And when God commands us to do something, He will equip us uh, in how to do it. He's not going to tell us to do something that we cannot do. Now, we may need the Spirit of God, and certainly we do need the Spirit of God. We do need His help. Uh, but uh, we want to uh, look at this great commission today and the responsibility that comes with it. I want us to look at a different aspect this morning. Let's read again. Matthew 28, beginning with verse number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me, in heaven and in earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Last Sunday morning, I preached an overview of the Great Commission. I uh, preached on the authority of the Great Commission, the institution of the Great Commission. And uh, we looked at the Great Commission in a couple different aspects. But this morning, I'm going to take that first point uh, that was from the message last week, the authority of the Great Commission. And that's what we're going to preach on today, is the authority of the Great Commission, a commission is only as powerful as the authority with which is being sent. And we're going to be reminded today of the boldness that we should have as God's people. The boldness we should have as God's church because of the authority of the Great Commission. Father, I pray this morning that uh, you would help us as we look into your word. May the Spirit of God uh, work in each and every heart, work in each and every life. And Father, as we think of a resurrected Savior, as we think of the gospel and how it changed our life and what it has done for us, may we be reminded this morning of a world that needs the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's one this morning who is uh, here in the service, listening by radio, maybe watching by live stream, they've never put their faith and trust in Christ, may they realize today that Jesus is the only hope of salvation. Jesus is the only way to the Father. May there today be their day of salvation. May they be convicted of their need of a Savior. May they put their faith and trust in Christ and His finished work on Calvary. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I give you just a simple definition this morning, a simple summary of uh, the word commission. It's an act of sending. It's a committing to or an entrusting. It is a charge to do something. It's a mandate. I often call Acts 1-8, uh, the Acts 1-8 mandate as Jesus 
commissioned the church to take the gospel to the world. And we see that parallel with Matthew chapter number 28 and verse 18 through 20, which we read this morning. The task that we see, this this command, as we call the Great Commission, it is a task given under the authority of another. That is a summation of the word commission. It is a mission, if you will. If a king were to commission a messenger, it is not the messenger's authority they are there on. I think of recently I was reading, and you know my, my love of, of history and reading history, and I was reading of an, an emissary, a messenger uh, that was sent, and he, he came upon a, 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 a lieutenant who was under control of his, his troops, and he walks in, and, and he issues a, an order of command. He says, under whose authority are you here on? And he just said two words, General Washington. It was not his authority in his tattered garments, in his horse that had been run into the ground. It was the fact that he had been commissioned by the general. He had been commissioned with orders that needed to be heeded to. And friend, the great commission, how much greater is the authority of the great commission than that of an earthly king? Uh, that that of, a, of an earthly general, uh, that of a, of, a, of, a, of a president or a, a kingdom. And I'm reminded this morning, and I want us to be reminded, of this commission that we see in our text, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This commission that we know is the Great Commission. It is what Jesus is commissioning or charging His church to do upon His ascension into heaven. Uh, you, yes, we look at the task and the responsibility and what is that task. And we looked at that last week and we'll look at it again uh, in, in, in the coming uh, messages in weeks to come. It is to teach or to win all nations, just to give them the gospel, to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, more than a political revolution, this world needs a spiritual one. This world needs to know of the Lord Jesus Christ, the finished work on Calvary, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The task is to go win them, baptize them, and to teach them all things. In other words, disciple them to do what we did to go and win somebody, baptize them, identify them with the church and with what Christ did, and then send them out to reach somebody with the gospel. It is a great task. It is a good thing to give the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a good thing that after somebody is saved, we want to bring them into the church. And I remind you that Jesus is not only the founder of the church, He's the cornerstone of the church. And let me just say, if Jesus founded it, I want to be a part of it. If Jesus is the cornerstone, that's where I want to be. So it's a good thing for a new Christian, a convert in Christ, to follow the Lord in believer's baptism, identify with the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a good thing to try and get somebody to do. If you've never been saved this morning, there's no greater decision you'll ever make than to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
a church cannot save you. A pastor cannot save you. Your grandmother cannot save you. The government certainly can't save you. Only faith in what Christ did can, can make you a new creature, can give you a new life, can the Spirit of God quicken you, make you alive, that only comes through faith in what Christ did on Calvary. If you've been saved and you've never been scripturally baptized, it is a good thing for you to identify with Christ. It is a good thing for you to identify with this church. Baptism does not save you. Baptism comes after salvation as an identification. That is a good thing. You as a Christian, I as a Christian, we ought to encourage everybody who's been saved to be scripturally baptized. It's a good thing if you've been saved and you've been scripturally baptized to be part of God's church. You ought to be part of his institution that he founded. Why? So you can grow. So you can receive instruction. So that you can get what you need and have somebody help you as you grow as a Christian. Why? So you can go tell somebody what somebody told you that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He paid your sin debt. He died and was placed in that tomb and came forth victorious over death and hell. That is what what each one of us ought to be striving to do. That is a great thing to be a part of. But this morning, I want to look at it from the standpoint, not only in itself is it a wonderful thing, but it is a great thing because of the authority in which this commission is given. The authority by which it comes by. We find in our text the Lord Jesus Christ. We find in our text the perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb, the Son of God. We find in our text Jesus who lived a sinless life after being born of a virgin, nailed to that cross of Calvary, paying the sin debt of the world, being placed in a borrowed tomb, coming forth victorious three days later. We find Jesus assembled with his church, giving his instruction before he ascends back to the right hand of the Father. He is going to give His authority. What does He have as authority? He has His name. So, well, well, whose authority? The name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the name above every name. We have His record, the record of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only been one born of a virgin, the Son of God. There's only been one live a sinless life, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only been one that said, in three days I'll destroy the temple and build it up again. Uh, the disciples not knowing what he spoke of, but there's only one who, who gave up the ghost. And friend, I remind all of us, man did not kill the Lord Jesus Christ. Man did not have that power. Jesus gave his life for man. He willingly died for man, but yet he didn't stay dead. Three days later, there's a record of the Lord Jesus Christ coming forth out of the tomb, out of the grave. There's a record to say, well, I don't know if I believe that record. Well, if you study uh, the Bible, if you study the end of this, this book, as we read just a few moments ago, if you back up a little bit, you see the conspiracy continue. Well, he's gone now. What do we got to do? We got to get our story straight. If he's still in the tomb, you don't have to get your story straight. His record is one that he was dead, now he's alive. They are witnessing somebody who now has the wounds in his hands, now has the evidence of being crucified, but yet is as alive as he has ever been. We have his record. Under whose authority? It's the record of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Under whose authority? We have his word. We have his word. Friend, just as Jesus said that he would take away, he come to take away the sins of the world, he has said that he's coming again. And friend, I believe he's coming again. I believe the church is going to be raptured out. I believe that Jesus, the second coming of Christ, I believe that we have his word. There is no greater word than the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have all of that which reminds us our authority. The authority of the Great Commission does not come from a denomination. It comes from Jesus Christ himself. Our authority, the authority of the Great Commission, comes from Jesus Christ himself. Of all the things he could have commanded, he chose this as his commission. Our authority comes from Jesus Christ himself. Let me say that if we have a commission from the King of kings and the Lord of lords, it ought to have the priority in our life. If we have a commission from the Lord Jesus Christ who paid our sin debt, And you and I, if you're saved this morning, you and I, we'd be on our way to a devil's hell. There's not a thing that we could do about it. There's nothing we can change if it had not been for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our Savior. He's the one who died for us. It's His authority under whom we have the commission. Let me give you the outline this morning. There's several things I want to point out concerning the authority of, of, of this commission. Number one, the authority comes from his power. I used the illustration earlier of a king sending an emissary or somebody commissioned to give a message. It brings a different authority when somebody brings a message from the palace than it does from a pauper living in the streets. Because the one coming from the palace comes with the power behind the one who sent them. In our text in verse number 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power. How much power? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. What Jesus is reminding those assembled that day, and we are being reminded of today through his word, that the authority by which this commission is given comes from his power. My Bible tells me it's all power, meaning there is nothing, there is no one more powerful than the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, There is nobody who is above the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just say it, and if it's politically incorrect, then too bad. Allah is not ahead of the Lord Jesus Christ. Muhammad is not above the Lord Jesus Christ. The Pope is not above the Lord Jesus Christ. This Baptist preacher is not above the Lord Jesus Christ. All authority comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. My Bible says all power. That doesn't mean there's, there's a group uh, that has, has yet to relinquish that power. He has the power. In heaven... And in earth. I imagine if one has power over death, he's got all power. There's been a lot through history who has proclaimed a lot of things, but only one has the power 
over death. There's been some powerful men in this world who have lived through the centuries and had power over vast nations and vast kingdoms. But when they took that last breath, they died and they're still dead. Their power was limited. But as all of hell rejoiced when Jesus said, it is finished, and for three days and three nights he was in that tomb, they could have rejoiced, and I still think that they were a little concerned, and they were a little worried because of what he said was going to take place. But when he came forth out of that tomb, holding the keys of death and hell, it was, it was a, a confirmation of what he had declared, that he had all power, because friend, if you've got power over death, there is no greater power. He has power over hell. Power over hell. Friend, this morning I can stand here and testify as so many, if not everybody here could, that I don't have to worry about hell. I'm not afraid of hell. I'll never spend a moment there. Why? Because of the Lord Jesus Christ conquered hell. I love what the book of Revelation tells us, that when he came forth out of that tomb, he was holding the keys, not just of death, but of hell. Friend, the devil, our adversary, who one day is going to be cast into that lake of fire for all of eternity, he is running to and fro, deceiving the nations, because he wants to take them to hell with him. But friend, when Jesus came forth out of that tomb, he didn't just have the key to death. He had the key to hell. And friend, if you've got power over hell, there is no greater power. The authority comes from his power. He has the power to save. It is a sad thing for any Christian, but let me just say from the position of a preacher of the gospel of a pastor, to speak to someone or to know somebody is in the service unsaved and and the Spirit of God is convicting them and they reject Christ as their Savior. That is a sad and tragic Decision that many have made. As much as I want to, as much as I would like to, there is nothing I can do, nothing that is humanly possible to change that. I cannot save a soul. You cannot save a soul. The Pope and all of his following cannot save a soul. There's not a group of men who can get together and they can get all of their, their riches together and all their power together and they can consolidate it. There's not anybody who can save a soul. But friend, let me tell you who can save the soul of the vilest sinner, of the one who's committed the greatest atrocities. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who has the power to save Friend, if you're lost on your way to hell this morning, I can pray for you. I can preach the truth to you. I can urge you and plead with you to come to Christ. But only He has the power to save. There's a powerful authority that comes with the Great Commission. I believe God's church needs to be reminded the authority that comes With the Great Commission, it comes from His power. There is no greater power 
And no other has the authority that Christ has. Number two, the authority is delegated. It's delegated. You cannot get away from the fact and the reality is not lost on us that as we read at the end of the book of Matthew and you read the beginning of Acts chapter number 1, Jesus commissions his church and then ascends into heaven. His work on this earth was finished. He did what he came to do. Now, friend, when I say that, I can't help but say he's coming back again. And when he comes back again, he's not coming as a lamb. He's coming as a lion. But he ascended into heaven, having fulfilled the purpose for which he came. He's already declared all power. Not some power, all power is given to him in heaven and on earth. Then the authority by which he gives this commission is now delegated. It is delegated, we see in verse 19, go ye therefore. I'll remind you as quickly as I can this morning, this was not just the 11 disciples. We see that in verse 16, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. Although if it was, that is his church, his called out assembly. I believe the Bible teaches that was the founding of the local church when Jesus called out those that would follow him. That's what church means, a called out assembly. But you find, and I'll not, not take the time, at the beginning of this chapter, he, he lets those who have seen him, let them know, I'm going to meet you at a certain place. He's now meeting with them. So when he says, go ye, I believe he is speaking individually to everybody who was there, but collectively as his church. In Acts chapter number 1, as he gives that commission in verse number 8, and to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, he says, after you've got the power of the Holy Ghost, they go as that church in that upper room and they pray for the power of the Holy Ghost. It was his church he was commissioned to. The authority is delegated to the church. He is speaking to the called out assembly. And can I just say, because of the authority by which we have been delegated, it is the, not just the great commission, it is our great mission to preach the gospel. It is our great mission to tell the lost that Jesus saves. It is also our mission that after someone has a new life in Christ, to teach them that first step is, baptism, identifying with Christ. That public say, well, I just don't know if it's that important, friend. There are Christians in other nations who are risking martyrdom because they are willing to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ in baptism. They are, they are, they are thrown out of their family because they are identifying with Jesus instead of a church. Don't tell me it's not important. It is important. I believe it is Ought to be, it's our mission to after somebody's saved and baptized to teach them and train them to go into the world to preach the gospel. Whether that world be your neighborhood, your place of work, or if you meet somebody in public, be willing to give them the gospel. That authority is delegated 
to the church. Now, friend, if Jesus in his authority has delegated that to us, I believe that you and I should realize the responsibility, but we should act on the authority of which is given. We do not need authority or permission from an earthly king to preach the gospel. We don't need it. You read the, you read the book of Acts especially, and you read how those that were troubled by the preaching of the gospel by the apostle Paul and the other apostles, they always accused them of leading a revolt against the government. They always accused them why? Because the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ shook the foundations of religion, government, men. But those apostles who received this instruction did not have to wait on permission from Caesar or from anybody else. Because the authority of Christ had been delegated to the church. Say, well, didn't? The authorities take Paul and throw him in prison. And yes, and that's why you can read in one of his letters, and, and the Christians from Caesar's household salute you. Because Paul warned people to Christ in prison. The authority is delegated. We don't need authority from an earthly king. And friend, we do not need authority from a religious council. We don't need permission from religions to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The authority is delegated to make disciples. What is that authority? It's to win people to Christ through the preaching of the gospel. It's to win the lost. It's to baptize them in their new life in Christ. I remind you, the authority is delegated to the church. I said this last week. I'll say it again as, I, as I'm going to preach a whole message on that institution that, 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 of the Great Commission. Jesus did not give that commission to the family. I'm for the family. He gave it to the church. So if your family is going to be part of fulfilling the Great Commission, guess what you've got to be a part of? The church. You could win anybody to Christ, but you're going to baptize them into your family? You're going to baptize them in your co-op group? You're going to baptize them into your Boy Scout troop or your Girl Scout troop or your Little League team? No, it's the local church. You, you, the, the authority to teach them. The, the training to go out and to win the, the lost. And missions, I might as well just get on it. As a, as a missionary, we have, you send out a missionary, they are sent under the authority of a local church. I just felt called that I should do their, under whose authority? Well, I went to a mission board. They don't have authority. Well, it's just something I decided to do. Where's your authority? The authority comes from the delegation of Christ's authority to the church. The authority is delegated to make disciples. We must realize that as his church, that authority is delegated. So you know what we have? We have a responsibility. But you know under whose authority that we are to go and fulfill the Great Commission? His authority. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Number three, 
the authority encompasses the whole commission. I remind you, I've already reminded you a couple times a day, but it's good for us to be reminded of this again. What is the commission? It's first, we see, go ye therefore and teach all nations. It's winning the lost. What is he telling them to teach them? Not teach them some religious dogma or some denominational uh, um, um, speech. It's to teach them that Christ was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, went to the cross, paid the sin debt, rose again. The gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. They were to go and be witnesses, as Acts 1.8 says. What were they to be witnesses of? The fact that they had seen a risen Savior. The fact that he had conquered death and hell. Uh, you say, well, Pastor, we have not seen him with our physical eyes, but the same faith that they had to go and they had to preach, we have the same faith, the same belief in what Christ has done. That authority encompasses the entire commission. The church has been commissioned to win the lost. That's why the most important thing this church does is to preach the gospel. I'm for fellowship, but we could not have fellowship and we could still be fulfilling the Great Commission. I'm for a lot of the things that we do, but if, but if we've got to pick and choose what gets our greatest effort, it ought to be being involved in the Great Commission. We win the lost on His authority. Let me help you with something. When you give the gospel... It's not your power, it's His. My confidence, and some, this may help, this is going to help some of you, because some of you, I believe, I, I believe you have a desire to be used to give the gospel to see somebody saved, but you're not confident in what you're supposed to say. Pastor, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. And I'll remind you what I've reminded you before. Tell them what you did. Tell them what happened to you. That's the greatest thing you do is just how did Jesus change your life? What did you do? What did you put your faith in? Give your testimony. But I want to remind you, your authority, and we, we, have, we have a curriculum we'll give you. We're going to have some, some classes in the very near future where you can come and we'll help train you, know what to say and how to handle different situations. But that authority does not come from that person who teaches you and gives you that curriculum. That authority does not come from, from any other, other else. It's his authority. So it's his power that is going to do it. It encompasses... The baptism of converts. Friend, we as Christians and we as churches in this nation have got to get back to the emphasis of fulfilling the entire Great Commission. And it's winning the lost, and then it's seeing them take that next step in identifying in Christ. If you've been saved, I'm not going to be shy about telling you, you need to follow Christ in believer's baptism. I'm not going to be shy in telling you you need to be part of God's church. And friend, you shouldn't be shy about inviting them back. Some of you into Christ, you ought to work until you can get them in church next to you. Amen. You got to work until you can do it. See them grow. We've got to teach on whose authority, on his authority. Pastor, I don't know if you ought to be that bold. I'm not here on my authority. I'm here on his authority. I'm here, I'm here doing what he has commissioned the church to do. Uh, we ought to teach and train. That's why I, I, I believe I'm not changing, I'm not changing my, my emphasis. I'm not changing the way it ought to be. I think 
every parent who's got a child over in that nursery, every parent who's got a child in, 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 in a children's church this morning or anywhere on this property, I'm just going to tell you what this pastor's goal and focus is, is for them to grow and serve the Lord with their life. Our schools have one mission. First of all, to teach them to read and write, uh, to give an education. But more than that is to rear them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord to teach them what? To give your life to God. I'm not interested in your child. I'm going to be honest with you. If this upsets you, I can't help you. I'm just being honest with you so you at least appreciate that. I, it doesn't interest me. If whether or not your child gets a scholarship to a Division I school. What interests me is if your family is involved in the Great Commission. Because what's going to change this nation is for us to fulfill the Great Commission. What's going to change our communities is not some government program where we just pour money into something or we, or we give some, 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 some training of, of, of politically correct training. No, it is to fulfill the Great Commission. And you and I need to be reminded the authority is encompassed of the whole commission. The church should not get distracted by other things. Churches, especially if you visit other churches in this area, you know not every church has is, is, is got the same focus. What's happened? They've got distracted. Well, Pastor, are you against helping the community? I'm not against helping the community. I, I just haven't been commissioned to do that. Now, Jesus did say, if I have the ability to give a cup of cold water, I should do it. This is the way most, a lot of Christians treat it. They come down to the church and say, Pastor, there's a lot of people have needs over there. Go take care of it. No, if you saw the need, then God probably wants you to meet that need. But the church has been commissioned to fulfill the Great Commission. That is the focus. You know what that means? If we only have time, energy, and money to do one thing, what is it? guess what we're supposed to do? The Great Commission. That's got to be the focus. Number four, and I'll be done. As we think of the authority that we've been commissioned with, the authority comes from His power. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget that authority is delegated. Boy, can I just stop there again and say, as a, as a preacher, it's a, it's a heavy thing. It's a, you realize the weight of standing behind a pulpit and preaching the gospel. And knowing that there may be somebody listening, it may be the only time they ever hear it. There's a heaviness to that. There's a burden to that. There's a weight to that. And well, you, you try and convince yourself that how am I going to get these people to listen to me? And the thing that helps you the most as a preacher is saying, I'm not here on my authority. I'm just here on his authority to tell you what he has said. And it is true of us as soul winners, as Sunday school teachers, as parents teaching our children the gospel. It is the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been reminded of what the authority encompasses. And I want to remind us, number four, the authority accompanied you and I and ourselves are inadequate. Next time you think you've taken a real stand for the Lord, start in Acts chapter number 1 and just read all the way to the end of the book. And be reminded of the beatings 
and the imprisonments. There's a reason why at the beginning of the book of Revelation, the Lord took time to tell John as he was in the Spirit that day on Patmos and revealing to him the end times. There's a reason why there's a portion of Scripture there that the Lord told him about the blood of the martyrs who cries out, crying for justice. Friend, when you and I think we have it tough, let us be reminded that the apostles endured those adversities because they were trying to fulfill the Great Commission. And I want to remind you that the same devil that opposed the Great Commission then is the same devil that will oppose the Great Commission now. And what he has done in our nation is he has distracted God's church from the most important thing, the Great Commission. And now the nation has changed to the point where now he has the ability to oppose it in ways he's never had in our country. Jesus knew what he was doing, obviously, when he said, in verse number 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you in low. That word low. Pay attention. I am with you always. Even unto the end of the world. No wonder when the Apostle Paul was sitting in a prison cell awaiting execution. He wrote of all men forsaking him, but one who's still with him. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The authority that accompanies us is the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, as he commissioned his church that day to go reach the world with the gospel. You, you think I'm ambitious. I'm just trying to get us to reach Jacksonville. He said, go reach the world. And certainly that is doing our part in reaching our city. That's a big, monumental task. You've got to bear in mind that they had seen, Jesus had been crucified. Now he's risen from the dead. He's in front of them. He's soon going to leave them. Say, now remember, I'm with you always. He's going to ascend to heaven shortly, even unto the end of the world. That's why you and I need to be remembered that no matter where we take the gospel, he is with us. Do you know the Spirit of God can go where missions agencies can't? The Spirit of God can go where government programs can't? The Spirit of God can even go where you and I can't. That's why I want to remind us of three things when we think of the authority of company. First of all is prayer. If you're a student of prayer, if you're faithful in your prayer, you'll be constantly reminded of His close presence. You say, well, Pastor, we, I, I just, along the way, I feel all by myself. 
Do you know as soon as you start talking to him, he can hear you? Certainly, if we're going to have a conversation in person with, from a man to a man, we understand their presence. But we say things like this now through technology, and boy, it began with a phone call. We can, we can talk to each other. When I talk to them, it, it feels like they're there. Oh, and boy, if I get that text, it's just a reminder that they're there. They haven't forgotten about me. They're, they're there. And oh, with the technology you have now, we can, we can FaceTime, and we can, you can be on the other side of the world, and oh, how much more connected that keeps us. And these are, these are good things. And boy, it's just, it's just whenever I can see them and I can hear them, it just feels like I'm with them, even though they're on the other side of the world. Friend, did you realize that when you bow your head and you bow your heart, you don't even have to say an audible word, but you begin to speak to your God. You're not going to another state. You're not going to another country. You're entering into the presence in another world, into the throne of heaven. Boy, I can tell you, I can testify to you, there's been many times I have felt all alone. I have felt the overwhelming task and responsibility ahead of me. And when I go to my knees in prayer, there's been many times I've gone to my, my knees with doubt. I've gone to my knees with, with fear. I've gone to my knees with discouragement. But friend, not one time have I ever gotten up from talking with God and felt like I've been all by myself. Not one time have I ever said, in Jesus' name, amen, and not felt like he's right there with me. It comes, his authority is an accompany, and it comes through prayer. But also with his power. There are things that God is doing and can still do that only he can do. We're talking about the Great Commission and the privilege and the... And boy, it, gets, it thrills my heart to be able to give somebody the gospel. It thrills my heart to hear many of you give testimony week after week. I was able to lead this person to the Lord, lead this person to the world. Do you realize when you're in the presence of what God is doing, it's not man's power, it is his power. Don't ever get over the fact that when somebody bows their head and they surrender their heart to the Lord and they, and they acknowledge, I am a sinner. I deserve hell for my sin, and there's nothing I could do about it. And they put their faith and trust in what Christ did, his, his sacrifice for them, and they put their faith in him, and in that instant that the Spirit of God quickens that spirit and makes it alive, and that instant when the Spirit of God seals them unto the day of redemption, in that instant the record in heaven is changed from one of sin and one of, one, one of filth and, and one of all wrongdoing. It is instantly changed to the record of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is perfect and as white as snow. We're in the presence of power. Oh, church, don't, don't get used to God doing miracles for us and God making ways for us and God protecting us. It is His authority accompanied. In fact, we're living in a more dangerous world. We're living in a nation that is not as friendly to God. Say, what are we going to do? The same thing he commissioned those disciples to do is the same thing we're to do. We're not changing a thing because the world has changed. We're not changing a thing because our nation has changed. We're doing what God has commissioned us to do. I guess we'll have to just be more dependent on his power. But that authority accompanies his presence. Do you know, and maybe you felt this way, that you can be in a crowd and still feel like you're all by yourself? 
You can be in a multitude and feel like you're all alone. But you can't be with him and be by yourself. His presence. Friend, I, I don't completely understand. I don't think man can fully understand all that is involved in the presence of God. But when I feel alone, I can go and I can say, I have his word. You know, it's sometimes the hardest person to talk to to give the gospel is the first person you talk to. Let me help you with that. I know he's with me. I'm here on his authority. Maybe there's a loved one, somebody that you love very much who's lost and has yet to put their faith and trust in Christ. Conversation to have. Well, they may not speak to me again. They, the rest of the family may be upset. The rest of, and we, can, we can throw a thousand excuses of why we should not, but let me remind you whose authority goes with you. It's the authority of the one that gives the commission. Friend, I believe that Jesus has conquered death and hell. I trust that you do as well. I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. I believe it. I believe his return is imminent. I believe Jesus is the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. Well, I can't help it. I've had the privilege of go to Israel twice now, and even this past earlier this year when I went, and and you see all the things over there, and you and you see where uh, you know you go to Bethlehem, and, you, and that's the city Jesus was born in, and you see all these miracles he did, the Sea of Galilee, and and you're out on that boat, and you just imagine Jesus walking on that water. But I can't help it. You get to Jerusalem and think about all the things there. I can't help it. I'm not looking back. I'm looking forward and knowing that Jesus is coming again, and he's coming one day to this city again, and he's going to walk right through that gate. They can board it up. They can cement it up. They can block it up, do all they want to do. But Jesus is coming to take his rightful place as the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's whose authority the church has to preach the gospel. There is no greater authority. Of all the things that sometimes we get distracted by, he did not commission the church to do. But he did commission them to win the lost, baptize them, teach them. Not just teach them a six-point doctrinal statement. It's important to know your doctrine. It's important to know why you are what you are. That's important. But to teach them to be disciples. To teach them to follow Christ. To teach them to win somebody like somebody won them. Friend, this morning it's never been more crucial for this church to be about the Great Commission. It's crucial for us as people to be about the Great Commission. Pastor, why are you so adamant about it? Well, it's in the Bible, number one. And it comes with the authority 
of the greatest power that exists. The power granted to the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven and in earth. Friend, may we be busy. May we be involved. May we realize and be reminded of the importance this morning. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, it is the most important decision you will ever make. I've already mentioned it. I cannot make that decision for you. Your loved ones, as much as they love you, cannot make that decision for you. God is not going to make you do it against your will. You must choose Christ. You must choose to put your faith in Christ, in Christ alone, in what He did on Calvary. That is a choice you must make. If you've never done that, I urge you, I plead with you, let the Spirit of God convict your heart and tell you and show you what you know that you cannot save yourself. And may you make that decision today. If you've been saved, but you've never fought the Lord in scriptural baptism, there is coming very, very soon a message on what is that baptism that he speaks of. But I think I've explained it enough to get you the idea. It's the first step of obedience. It's the identification with the one who saved you. Well, I, I don't know why anybody who's been saved from hell would not want to identify with the one who saved them. Identifying with him, identifying with his church, and then teaching. Get in. Can I just say this, and I'll, I'll put a little heavier emphasis on this in the very near future. I'm happy with anybody who attends. There's no requirement other than just showing up. Now, if you stay awake, that's helpful. But it's not even a requirement. I'm thankful. But you know what would help you? Get all the way in. There's some, you, your membership is officially here. But get all the way in. Learn. Grow. Grow as a Christian. Grow as a child of God. When you grow as a child of God, you grow in your ability to help somebody else grow. I stand here today. I've been the pastor for this church for more than 10 years. I've been in ministry for more than 25 years. The Lord has blessed me and given me opportunities. I've preached on multiple continents. The Lord has helped me write multiple books. God has blessed me. But the only reason I can give that testimony this morning is because there are others who would grow, and in growing, they were willing to help me grow. So in turn, I want to help somebody else grow. You don't know the impact that you can have on the cause of Christ by affecting one individual because you handed a gospel tract, because you gave the seat next to you, so that you invited them back to church. The decision they needed to make, you'd say, hey, I'll... I'll walk to the aisle. I'll walk down front with you. Well, we all can have a part. Pastor, you're, you're preaching about some boldness. It's because of whose authority? That authority that was given. Father, I pray that you'd use the message this morning. Father,